Hello everyone, this is our channel Being Brasian. I'm sure you know us already, but just in case you don't, my name is Deborah. We've got Tracy down below and then we've got Amra at the top as well. Today's episode is on racism and as you can imagine, racism is such a sensitive topic for many, many people and it's one that is actually very relevant to now because it's coming up to a year since the whole pandemic started and it's been a year since particularly hate crimes against the ESA community have risen. One thing I just wanted to point out is we will be mentioning ESA a lot during today's discussion. And in case you don't know, it stands for East and Southeast Asian. Racism is a topic that we will definitely revisit quite frequently on this channel. But today we wanted to speak specifically about the racism during the pandemic. Before we go on to that, it's only appropriate that we discuss a recent report that came out in January 2021, and the title is Response to the Call for Evidence on Ethnic Disparities and Inequality for the UK. It's a response to the government's call for evidence on this important issue. I would highly, highly recommend that you read this report, and of course we will add all the links down below. So it's worthy now to mention that the very people who and organisations who were involved in creating this amazing response on behalf of the ESA community, and they include End the Virus of Racism and ESA Scotland. They are the UK's first non-profit organisation and anti-racism campaign group formed in May 2020 of last year. Asians Leadership Collective strives to increase leadership representation of ESA communities within companies and organisations. BSEEN stands for Britain's East and Southeast Asian Network, and they're an organisation that strives for positive media representation of ESA people in the UK. Kanlungan are a registered charity consisting of several Filipino community organisations working together for the welfare of Filipino and other migrant communities in the UK. Sarah Owen, who is the Labour MP for Luton North, she's also the chair of East and Southeast Asians for Labour. She is also British Chinese, making Sarah the first Labour MP of East Asian descent and the first female MP of Chinese descent. And then finally, representatives from City University, UCL and LSE. Before we go on to our actual main topic and discussion, I just wanted to read a highlight from the report which talks about the increasing of ESA racial abuse during this time. So it says that racial abuse has also dramatically increased during COVID-19 as people in the UK and other countries like the US have apportioned blame for the disease on China and anyone who is radicalized as Chinese. Fernand de Varenne, the UN Special Rapporteur on Minority Issues, reported that politicians and groups were exploiting fears surrounding the disease to scapegoat communities, particularly Chinese and other ESAs, leading to a rise in violence against them. An Ipsos Mori poll found that one in seven people in the UK intentionally avoid people of Chinese origin or appearance. Numerous incidents were reported of ESAs being assaulted, having their jaw broken, having their clothes torn off, being spat on, and having their restaurants vandalised. In May 2020, the UK police reported a 21% increase in anti-East Asian hate crimes to the House of Commons. Data from the London Met show that such hate crimes tripled in the first quarter of this year and doubled in the second quarter as compared to previous years. 
Data on hate crimes towards people of Chinese ethnicity showed a tripling in the current months, suggesting no relief in the burden of hate crime on our communities. Elsewhere in the country, the picture has been similar. The Midlands police reported a doubling of hate crime towards ISIS. The Essex police found a staggering 56% of hate crimes recorded between March and September 2020 were directed towards the East Asian community, which is a 75% increase compared to the same period last year. This is a significant problem for the UK since the ESA population is one of the fastest growing ethnic groups in the country. You obviously have to bear in mind that the statistics are much, much higher only because many, many go underreported. Going on to our topic and discussion for today, we obviously have a few questions and starting with Tracy, ask, have you experienced racism during the pandemic? And if so, was there a difference in racism at the beginning of the pandemic versus present day? the beginning of the pandemic, I worked in central London. That's where my offices are. And on top of that, I work very near Chinatown, where obviously a lot of our ESA community is visual and known to be. And I remember those last few days before going into the first lockdown very very clear you know you're going into central london you know what it's like to be on the tube you're always bustling for a, a space let alone a seat and obviously as covid19 hit and it was becoming a thing you're seeing it spread across the world obviously london became far less busy i remember very vividly it not being a very busy tube you know you know that feeling when you know someone's moved away and it's because of you like is it because like, I smell is it because I want you know whatever it is and it's the first time that I felt like oh it's because I look Asian and you think that somehow I'm going to give you coronavirus by just being in your proximity mm. and you know that wasn't a very nice feeling and obviously I'm going into an area where the ESA community is very prevalent, you know, and as they should be. Chinatown in London is a very vibrant, beautiful place, uh, lots of energy, and to kind of see it, you know, emptied, it was a hard thing to see. But yeah, in that respect, you could feel there was a bit a shift, and it, it seems very passive, but also, like, I didn't have anybody say anything to me, but you knew it wasn't because they're trying to get a seat they are trying to get away from you because they associate you with a virus. So that was the beginning of the pandemic. Going into kind of further on, I remember when we got the kind of call to stay at home, I um, had developed a cough, so we had to self-isolate. And my husband is such a trooper, he did all the essential shopping and everything like that. But when it came to the time for uh, our self-isolation to finish and my cough had gone and I was all fine, I felt like I still, you know, subconsciously didn't really want to go out. And I don't think I even kind of like said that to myself, but my husband was really encouraging. He was like, no, you've got, you should, you know, you've been cooped up in the house for far too long. You know, even if it's just to walk to Tesco's across the road, whatever it is. And I, I guess I didn't really realize at the time that I kind of had that subconscious fear of that feeling on the tube. I just remember kind of, you know, it's when people started wearing masks and, you know, the eyes become so much more of a focus. All three of us, we are, from Asian descent and you know the eyes is, are something that's so like a beacon of our heritage and you know I think that that's a beautiful thing however we've all had experiences of people pulling back the eyes and you know making it a negative and that's not a right thing to do and you know wearing a mask but then your eyes become the focus you're like is this a target am I going to be targeted for some type of hate crime and I have to say there's 
pleasantly and fortunately I didn't have to feel that way when I walked down the street people were very respectful you know almost like really <laughs> overly nice but I know that's not the case for a lot of our ESA brothers and sisters I, I, I know that I'm in a very fortunate position to be you know, of my experience of where I live. Um, and that's why we're here today, because unfortunately that's not the norm. I, I wish it was, but yeah. So seeing, I think that kind of passive, we don't know what this pandemic is, but I'm going to stay away from you from that first instance on the train to now seeing, you know, explicit, aggressive attacks against our Easter community is something that, you know, we should be addressing. And Amra, the same question for you. It's very similar, my experience to what Tracy experienced on the train. So this was the just before lockdown had begun, I was sort of babysitting my nephew at my brother's house and he lives on the other side of London. So I was on the tube sort of heading back home after having looked after him. And I was kind of oblivious to everything. I think I was just wanting to go home. I kind of just reached out, blew my nose and didn't really acknowledge who was around me. But as I turned to my right, I noticed a group of tourists. They kind of looked I think judging from when they were talking, they were speaking in Italian. They were talking amongst themselves, laughing and joking. And as I blew my nose, I noticed one of them made a comment and said coronavirus. And they just kind of moved along a little bit. And I sort of at this moment realised, oh, my God, you know, like kind of the effect that what was happening here was that they were prejudging me on the way I looked. And because I was blowing my nose, I had coronavirus. So I turned to them and I kind of tried to confront them. And I said to them, you know, why are you talking like that? And there was a girl that was opposite me that was part of the group. And I was sort of reaching out to her to see whether she would make some sense of it all. And I sort of said, you should get your facts straight. You know, Italy at the time, Italy had like the highest coronavirus cases and people were dying and they were looking at me sort of kind of implying that I was dangerous and I just thought why don't you take a look at your own country sort of thing because I was just so angry with their reaction to me they just made me feel I was by myself I felt kind of alone because I I didn't have anyone else to to kind of back me up or support me so there was a guy that was sitting opposite me and I kind of looked to him and hoped that he would kind of help me or nod and he luckily he was sort of agreeing that they were being really stupid and kind of nodding along and they got off a few stops afterwards but it was more their reaction and, and the relief that I had when they got off was because I felt that I didn't have to deal with it anymore and mm. that feeling that they made me feel to, to feel like sort of alienated and, and feel that there was something wrong with me just because of the way I looked and that was all down to their sort of opinion of what they thought someone with coronavirus looked like so I was that typical sort of I guess for them I was from China and I was I had the coronavirus so mm. it was just a bit of a wake-up call for me I felt that it, it happened at a time when I had my guard down and I wish I I'd sort of kind of tried to analyze my behavior and think could I have said something a little bit more different could I've handled it more differently but I think when you're in that situation you're just shocked that someone mm. would suggest that mm. so I felt quite sort of shaken afterwards I remember picking up the phone to my brother and saying you won't believe what's just happened and my brother was just so angry for me that you know it was happening after I'd gone to his house and was on the train so that experience kind of really shook me for a bit and I and I remember just kind of how it relates now to just being at home because we've been at home for so long is you know I, I think subconsciously a bit like what Tracy said I, I do fear now that we have the masks on and they just see our eyes that people will choose to do say the same thing I Fortunately, I haven't had anything happen to me since like that. 
but I guess a part of you is always you've got your guard up if something were to happen like that so that was my my experience so with myself in February because it was Valentine's my husband and I we decided to go for like a little staycation in a London hotel and jumped on the Northern Line and we chose to stand because of our suitcases. I remember looking up and seeing a few women actually that weren't together, individuals, that were just staring at us and it was a really hostile glare and looking at us up and down. Then almost as if they were debating something in their own head, decided to get up and move to a different carriage. So you know when you think, "Mm, okay, that could just be a coincidence Or perhaps it's because they see me and my other half who we're both of ESEA appearance and perhaps they're thinking they're carrying this virus, who knows. Unfortunately, with the way we look, people wouldn't know from first appearance that, you know, we were born here, we're literally living in London and we're just going for a staycation. Um, So that was the first experience. Then in March, I had already pre-booked a surprise getaway to Brussels for my other half's birthday and it was pre-booked. And I remember just having this anxiety, like, should we even go? having experienced what we had experienced in February, is it going to be the same or was that just a one-off experience? So in the end, because I'd already paid for everything, we decided to go. When we got off at St. Pancras, I remember very distinctly, we were about to step onto the escalator and this lady in front of us turned around, happened to catch a glimpse of us and saw our appearance. And she did this really dangerous maneuver where she just sort of did this 360 move, stepped off the escalator, but in turn almost knocking us over in order to then go to the right and climb up the stairs. So she decided that it was safer clearly to do that maneuver and walk up the stairs with her like luggage rather than stand next to us. The tricky thing with those experiences is that there's no real direct proof that that's what they're thinking or that's what their thought process is. So you're just standing there thinking, am I being crazy? Am I being paranoid? Is it really that? Or am I just imagining things? But we all know, coming from the ESA community, that that is a legitimate racist act. It just happens to be indirect or passive aggressive, whatever you want to call it. So in this one trip in March over a course of a weekend, which was a short time, we'd had so many experiences of just hostility and just sort of treating us like we were the virus. And At that moment, there was like a mental switch in my head, which sort of went, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to go out anymore. And it was very much what you two said. After that, I think it just really took a a huge effect and knock on my mental health. And I've been through some traumatic things in my life and it took the pandemic to really, really hit a nerve with me. And I think it just brought all my experiences of racism throughout the years growing up childhood and it just almost it was almost like my god we're back in the past (laughs) we haven't we haven't moved forward at all like this has just brought us back 10 steps from where we had come and there was a point where I hadn't left the house for like three months in total so I didn't even go to the park I didn't go for a walk I just did not leave the house full stop because I was so anxiety ridden and it was only when my other half was like Debs, you need to get out of the house. You need fresh air. And he convinced me, let's just go to the post office. We'll just grab a coffee on the way home. That's all you have to do, baby steps. (laughs) And I remember that day, it was June, I will never forget. We stepped out of our house and bumped into our direct neighbours who we've been feuding with for years. And the youngest child in that family, who's the girl, she's under 10, by the way, just took one look at us. I went, ew, it's coronavirus, (gasps) coronavirus. And, you know, at that point, like, you know, when you're so speechless 
Yeah. And you're like, firstly, did I hear that right? She's a she's an under ten year old child, and she's calling it. Even she's being racist towards us. But really, in that moment, it was so difficult for us to retaliate because she's a child. Firstly, and secondly, I know that that behavior and language is coming from her family as opposed to her directly. I think that goes back to the point you made, uh, Deborah, about the fact that people don't report it. I didn't report it. You didn't report it, and Tracy didn't report it, even though we have experienced some form of coronavirus or pandemic racism so you know I think it's really interesting because I think it also boils down to as well and I don't know the facets between US and UK but I think people in the UK are quite reserved as people Mm -hmm. especially British born you know Asians we're quite we're brought up in a way that you don't really go and report something it's not something you do like it's Mm -hmm. not something you generally do and so I don't know whether it's just there's this proportion of people that have just not reported it due to the fact that they don't want to cause any problems or any hassles or, mm-hmm. you know, I, mm-hmm. and maybe in America, I've noticed it. America, you hear more about people reporting it than you do here. Well, it's I interesting you mentioned that, Amra, because in the report, it actually spoke about the reasons why the ESA community don't report the crimes. And mm-hmm. they said the two main reasons were, one, they felt like they wouldn't be believed by the authorities or the police, right. Right. and also the feelings of embarrassment. Yeah. And in my case, I actually reported it. Oh, you did? So, oh, wow. But it was That's indirect in that, yeah. like I said, I've had a lot of problems with our neighbours for many, many mm-hmm. years. In complaining about something else, a different matter, I raised this incident of the coronavirus with our local police. And the only thing they told me really nonchalantly was... Mm well, you just need to report that to 101. Like, they did not care. No empathy, no trying to investigate what had happened. I think that boils down to the way that the police are perceived in the UK um, in general. And we can only speak of the UK because we live in the UK. And I think that any crime generally, unless it's someone that's got murdered or stabbed or, you know, it's not considered a real crime really. Okay, so our second question is, how is this pandemic racism comparable to racism pre-pandemic? Obviously, we don't want to repeat ourselves, but do you feel like there's a difference? Yeah, no, I definitely think there's a difference between pre-pandemic and now. I think it just feels so much more global. You know, it's much Mm. more like you're so much more aware as a community before I feel like you're in your blinkered experience of how you're being treated and you and your individual but like now I feel like because it is so sadly universal in a way and I think we're seeing it coming through now in the news but only after the Easter community has really campaigned as we were saying it's coming up to a year of us having to live with COVID-19 and the fact that there's been such hostility and, you know, the association with the Asian community that people are to blame, a country is to blame, a continent is to blame. And though we are obviously speaking for the British experience, I think we would be remiss to not mention that at the time, the US president called it the Chinese China flu or um, all of all of that kind of stuff where racism is given validity and not just validity but in one of the biggest nations in the world you know Mm -hmm. like we're saying it's okay to dehumanize a whole continent and its people it's not just about kind of like the fact that you look different but you look different because we associate this horrible virus and the reason why our lives are on hold or we're not seeing our families and you know we have become scapegoats that's not acceptable anymore I don't think 
I experienced something that was kind of weird. It was coming, I think Brexit was happening. I don't know when coronavirus was slight, was kicking in and it was sort of, there was like a double sort of time mm. where I felt like it was really extra heightened when that happened. I'll give you the example, but my my mum my mum and I were walking somewhere and I think this guy was trying to sell my mum something like a Starbucks mug or something. He looked like he was a bit, could be homeless or I can't remember. Mm. And my mum said, no, I don't want it. And he turned to my mum and said, well, go back to your own country then. And I remember turning to him and just telling him what an idiot you are. First of all, we've lived, my mum's lived here most of her life. I'm British, so shut up. Mm. And it's almost like that period in time was so this was sort of the early days of corona and then sort of when brexit was sort of coming to the end and now it seems as though it's not maybe we don't hear about it as much but i feel like it's sort of people are getting a little bit more educated as to it may have started in wuhan and in china but it doesn't mean that everyone that looks oriental has the disease mm. and i think that that the, the change specifically i've done talk about the uk I don't even want to talk about America because America is another kettle of fish. Yeah. When I'm talking about the UK, I feel like it's certainly, I think people are a bit more educated <laughs> about what's going on. And I feel like maybe it's not as reported as much that there is less sort of hate crime against Asians here at, at, from what I've seen. I don't think it's as prevalent or as, as much as it was when it first, when people didn't know what, where it came from and when we were suffering at the start of the pandemic. Mm. So I think we're at a place now where I think people are a little bit more educated as to, you know, you shouldn't just be targeting people for the colour of their skin and the fact that they look Chinese. As a community, I feel like we've been attacked as a group. And I think for the first time in any UK lives, it's the first time that the ESA community have really come together and kind of joined up as one community, one loud voice and really fought for our community. And like Amra was saying earlier, I think there's this whole idea that we're quiet people, we don't say much. And to some extent, I think that is true, partly because it's very British to have a stiff upper lip and not you know, say anything <laughs> or be controversial, but also partly because of our Asian heritage and kind of like the way we're raised. And perhaps, you know, our experiences growing up as a child and what we've had to face, and that's kind of given us our character, so to speak. Either way, I just feel like it's been really refreshing to see this different groups, organisations, individuals come together. It's brought us together, you know, as a group. Yeah. I'm really proud that people are hearing our voices. They're hearing what we have to say. And we do count and we do matter. And we're saying that really loudly and clearly. So it's kind of like that contradictory feeling on one hand. It's like, wow, we have such a huge you know community and brotherhood and sisterhood and it's amazing and yeah like let's raise each other up and fight for one another and be there for one another and then on the other hand I feel like it's if anything made me realize how lonely isolated we are from the rest of I don't know the world but like Amra said I think with Brexit Covid having originated from China and obviously we're of ESA appearance and then with Trump's dictatorship because that's why I call it it's a dictatorship and people feeling resentful all of those things have obviously contributed to people feeling negative towards our ESA community and I just think it's really unfair because at the end of the day regardless of where it originated people are targeting us because they assume we're Chinese but neither none of none of us are and you know we were born here and that's the irony of it but even if we were Chinese you know we could be British Chinese and it doesn't make a yeah. difference because again it's got nothing to do with China and also, even if you're a Chinese resident and citizen, you're not the per they're not the people to have caused this virus or outbreak. 
And so why are, why are we being held accountable? And interestingly, a friend told me at the beginning of this pandemic that they watched the documentary and it was stated that perhaps initially a lot of our virus cases came from Italy rather than China, which would make sense because it, in terms of our geographical proximity and location and in terms of how many people travel to Italy, you know, from, uh-huh. from the UK. So it made sense that it would spread more so from Italy and it's not blaming Italy it's just Mm. saying like proximity wise that's perhaps where majority of our cases really started this wildfire in a way and yet not that I wanted that blame to be you know proportioned to the Italian community but I felt like there was hardly any backlash on the Italian community and Mm. yet there was still such hatred and finger pointing towards the ISA community that they didn't get like with the Kent strain and even the South African strain. Again, I'm not hearing anything. The fact that it was originated in Britain. Yeah, you might have people joking going, oh, you're from Britain. Oh, you're from Kent. Oh, you're South African. Oh, stay away, you know, as a joke. Ha, ha, ha. With us, though, it wasn't like that. We just from the get-go had an instant, don't you dare come near me, you know, and I'm going to treat you like you're a disease, which is so different to, I think, the experiences of other people. Having said that, if you are from the Italian or South African community, we were from the Kent community and you've had, you know, discrimination, please feel free to write down in the comments below because we would love to hear your experiences from a different perspective as well. So moving on to the next question, how has it impacted your family, if at all? I've been a hermit. (laughs) It's just me and my husband and my little boy. But as with just general racism, I'm I'm fearful for my my son. I'm fearful for my family who's in London miles away. I'm you know my nieces. The targeting not only of the ESA community but the elder ESA community in America just is something that is unbelievable, unacceptable. And I am praying is not a trend that sweeps globally like the rest of pandemic racism has been happening. You know my parents are. I have just been in line to have their vaccine and I'm fearful I'm fearful for them to go to the GP and that's I, I don't I don't want anything to happen as I wouldn't want anything to happen to any of our, of you guys as parents either or any any anyone in the ESA community as a parent I'm I'm so scared you know I my my, my little boy goes to school not far from our house and in the time that he walks him to go home to come here I don't want him to ever feel any type of racism let alone any blame for something that he doesn't understand that he's frustrated about you know for him corona is this invisible character that's stopping the world from turning and I don't want him to know any more than that I don't want him to have to experience hostility and scapegoatism and I want to you know put him in a bubble for as long as I can but it's just this constant state of worry we've been talking about this anxiety and it's like people are anxious anyway <laughs> you know we're, we're like take away racism you know people have been stuck at their homes they've they don't there's job uncertainty there's been Brexit. there we don't know what the future is going to hold and then on top of it we have to take the responsibility and the burden and the unfairness, as you said, Deborah, of taking the blame for something that isn't China's fault, isn't our fault. Amra, I mean, I, I know your, your parents are in Thailand. They had gone to Thailand prior to the pandemic even arriving in the UK. And I am so grateful in a way that they weren't able to come back to the UK because I don't know how I would have handled any kind of racism that they would have got if they were here 
it kind of was a bit of a relief that every time their flight got postponed because I felt that in Thailand they're safer and there is less of this sort of stigma that is attached to them being here they still haven't received their jabs yet and I'm still anxious for them to to get that I'm sure my brother won't mind me saying but my brother did get coronavirus um, during this period and it was a very very scary period for for myself and my family because we were worried about my brother and he's thankfully recovered now which is fantastic but he still has some side effects from it it's very hard but yeah because you're 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 worried about the welfare of your family and you know even us like leaving the house we didn't want to leave just for fear of, of catching it and but but it's all the things that are associated like we're talking about today around it that it all comes together isn't it it's not just the the virus itself but it's all the things that we experience when we go out when we when we leave our house because we're feeling anxious anyway so it's all of those things yeah obviously similarly to you Amra my mum and stepdad are in Korea but they didn't go until September almost the end of so my mum had some experiences of pandemic racism before leaving Korea And I think it's because of those experiences that I just wanted to almost like shoo her away and like bubble wrap her and send her in a package all the way to South Korea. Um, I just knew firstly, health wise, it's just better out there. It's just safer. They're handling it so much better. Um, The healthcare is second to none. And then secondly, she just wouldn't stand out like a sore thumb. My stepdad is Caucasian, but my mum, she's just like the perfect target for any ignorant, narrow-minded, racist people because she's short, she's a woman, she's Asian, and she has an accent. So it's almost like the worst combination. She's like an easy victim, so to speak, to pick on. And so the second that my mum was on that plane and, and landed in Korea, it's like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders because every single time she used to go out, even if it was to the shops or something, I was just constantly feel anxious for her. So not only was I having to deal with my own anxiety, I was having to deal with my mum's anxiety. And then my other half, like yourself, Tracy, he was sort of like dealing with the burden of doing most of the food shoppings. And so my husband would go to Tesco initially. And then he started telling me experiences of like where he'd been sort of like treated weirdly and spoken to very unpleasantly. And I just told him, "You, you need to stop going. You need yeah. to stop going. You know, I think we all share the feeling of just wanting to protect our loved ones. And they probably feel exactly the same about us. I think my mum feels a lot of stress about the fact that I'm here and, yeah. you know, she she can't almost like protect me. And there's a part of me that almost feels guilty as well that she's there because because she's there, she's not getting the vaccine. Even so, I would rather that she's in Korea yeah. than, than here. So last but not least, how has it made you feel overall in a summary and how has it made you feel for the future? Again, timely that it's coming to a year of us having to live through the pandemic. I feel very heavy about what the ESA community has had to endure for this past year. And I know we talked initially a bit about the report, Deborah, in the beginning. And one of the things I thought that was interesting was about the institutionalized racism and what's something that stuck with me as a parent and obviously kind of growing up in this country was you know it starts young and my heart broke when you said about your neighbor and just out of the mouths of babes and how allowing preconceptions to start from a young age Mm. allows for racism to develop 
and burn and then those people become adults and then they feel emblazoned to behave a certain way and even with your experience Amma of being on that train with those group of Italians you know like had that been an individual they may have you know like me they might have just moved to another part of the train but being part of a group where they feel like they can be intimidating and Mm. that that they can be validated in a way and I think you know it's Racism has always been there, but the fact of how globally our community has been affected over this past year shows how deep-seated it is. I hear in the ESA community, and I hear a lot of kind of about the model minority, you know, kind of um, that way or that, that we don't speak out, that we assimilate to Western culture, that, you know, we fit where Westerners want us to fit in terms of what is, is best for the society as opposed to kind of what where we choose we want to be I was saying kind of earlier when we were speaking you know I'm from the Filipino community I don't think you could go into a hospital in this country without finding a Filipino healthcare worker and it breaks my heart again a recent news story about an NHS worker who is completely berated and vilified at work and it's like I'm putting myself in harm's way to be mm-hmm. here to support you and I'm going to do that because that's my job and you're going to treat me this way and I just think like you said Deborah it's so unfair and at the moment one of the organizations that you mo- that you mentioned Kenna Lungan who are an amazing charity they're fundraising for you know our first responder Filipino community who are on the front line and Again, going back to that report, the disparity in pay, a lot of the East community aren't in the upper echelon jobs because they are in, I think what was in the in the report, they said kind of technical or menial, which is something where I think we can all kind of empathise um, with, with our heritage, you know, immigrant families who come to Western countries or diaspora, they do it because they want a better life. They want a better life for their families. They want to, you know, send money home. They want to build a better future for, for their next generation. And that's what we all want. I don't think that's exclusive to the Asian community. I think everybody on this planet wants to have a better life. I feel bad that I haven't, <laughs> I don't know, that I haven't, not that I've not experienced racism to the extent of other people. I feel really fortunate of that. But I feel bad for the people that have. I feel bad for the people who have it worse. In terms of the future, I want to be hopeful. I think as long as we keep trying to learn, as long as we keep trying to share, all we can do is hope for a better future and work towards that. I feel very humbled but proud to be part of our group (laughs) of being Vrasian and to be part of representation and add to you know, the important ESA voices that should be heard and deserve to be heard. And Amra, how has it made you feel overall um, for the future? So I guess this year has been a trying year for everybody, Mm. but I feel very proud that we have finally given ourselves that voice. And when I mean we is the ESA community, because Mm. it's almost like people don't know that we exist. And I find that really... It's like because we're, you know, this stereotype, we're, we're seen but not heard. It's, it's what people think about Asian people. And I feel as though, even though something awful has happened this year and we've had awful things happen to us, 
I feel for the first time we're hearing Asian voices mm. and and it, it makes me feel really happy because it makes me feel like we're not going to just stand for this anymore. We're, we're going to we're going to fight this. We're going to we're going to talk about our experiences. We're going to share it. It has given us the opportunity, the three of us to come together to create this channel. And I I have must admit that I was very daunted to do this episode because mm. it's a topic that we all said was very, very serious. Mm. And I feel as though I hope that it's helped to to show people that, you know, we are all human beings. Take away our skin tone, take away our we are the same and one human race, one human race. Exactly. So I hope that, like Tracy said, that this is going to be a something wonderful for the future that we can all be hopeful for the future that finally we have a voice and mm. for me that that's that's in, the most important thing definitely definitely I'm not saying it so elegantly but I feel like I'm going to piss on your positive <laughs> piss that's on your why positive. we have, three of us to have different go on come on go ahead <laughs> I, I agree with absolutely everything you girls said. Absolutely. Pre-pandemic racism, my other half, other half and I had spoken a lot about, you know, moving to perhaps Singapore. And that was predominantly because we're a little bit done with the UK and it'll be nice to experience summer 24-7 and just be <laughs> with people who kind of look like us. But I think the significant thing is during the pandemic, I felt like that want has almost turned into a need. And it's like I feel sad because even though you know we were all born and raised here it almost feels like I'm not welcome here anymore mm. and the sad thing is this is my country I've yeah. done you know I feel like I've contributed a lot to it not only in terms of taxes but just the work that I used to do and yeah. you know so as my mum and the work that she used to do I just feel like that doesn't mean anything ultimately just because of the way we look and so someone who looks at me, who's not perhaps very cultured, just sees someone of ESO appearance and doesn't know my history, doesn't know my background, doesn't care to know my background uh, or know about me. So I just feel like now it's a feeling of being ousted from our community. And it's sad because we're living in London, which is supposed to be the hub of multiculturalism and, you know, diversity and I just don't feel like that anymore. For me, I feel perhaps less positive. And now I feel like I really do want to move to Singapore as a result of this. This has almost added fuel to the fire. But I am hopeful for the future, like you girls said, in that, you know, hopefully we will continue to keep having these discussions. Hopefully these platforms and communities will continue to grow and that, you know, once this is over and hopefully we return to normality, people won't settle down and be quiet again. People won't, you know, take crap from people again. So overall, I just I, I want to have hope for the future. I want to feel positive, but to be honest, it's left me with a very kind of bitter taste in my mouth. I would love to be completely on the positive train, but it's like I've got one foot out of it, so to speak. I, I think I sit in the middle. I think mm. I'm a bit I'm a bit sort of because I, I also have plans to go and live in Australia. That was the plan mm -hmm. we were hoping. And I think I agree with you in what you're saying that um, certainly Brexit hasn't helped and certainly mm -hmm. the pandemic hasn't helped where I don't feel like I truly belong in this country. I feel British, I have a British passport. I still never really ever feel fully accepted. And I feel like certainly that always, I think I straddle 
that. I always feel like I'm a bit what you just said now, one foot in, one foot out. I think mm. that's where I'm, mm. but I, I am hopeful because I just want to think positively about the future. Yeah, so absolutely. Sense, that, if we don't that, hope, yeah. what do we live for? Yeah. For sure. And I, I completely understand how you both feel. And I'm not coming from a place where it's all sunshine and rainbows. I'm not like naive in that respect with everything that's gone on, feeling that sense of belonging that you want to. I don't want to give people the power to tell me where I belong, who I belong, where, who I am, where I come from. It, it starts with having a voice, doesn't it? It mm. starts with us having these conversations. Okay. It starts with us um, saying this is not acceptable i i stand beside you my being brazen sisters i stand beside our isa mm. community and i am hopeful because i i want you guys around <laughs> i'm being selfish <laughs> i i hope because I, I i want our communities to build upon the strength that they've summoned in this past year i am hopeful because i want my son to know that he is british that he is of asian descent that he's proud of that duality and we've come a long way from where maybe we grew up and maybe it will take a very long time for my son and maybe he'll be having these conversations with his child but mm. I just I have to hope for a better future no absolutely and as much as I sounded negative it's if I didn't have hope I wouldn't have wanted to start this group and start this conversation and have sure. this sort of platform for the community and I just think that perhaps for our generation, it's, yeah. it's too late. But what we're doing now, hopefully will have an impact for the future generation. For Therefore, sure. that your son won't have to experience these sort of things, or at least not to the level that, that we have growing up. So yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a hope. But uh, I, I know this was obviously a very heavy topic. And, you know, we started off very lightly, lulled everybody into a false sense of security and then hit them with the pandemic racism uh, episode. But obviously it was such a necessary and relevant conversation that needed to happen, marking the one year of, of this pandemic. We would really love to hear your experiences of pandemic racism. If it's of a sensitive nature, feel free to email us as well. All the details are down below, as always please do go read that report that I mentioned earlier. Again, the links will be down below and all the amazing organizations and individuals that have helped put this report together. They're fantastic. They are really spearheading this movement for us in the ESA community. And we would love for you to go support them individually. We hope that by you know having this discussion and hopefully by listening to us, it has given you some perhaps courage to come forward and report any experiences that you've been facing one thing we want to say is you are not alone there is a massive ESA community out there and if you don't know who to contact you know we can always help you with that so feel free to contact us directly and we can direct you to the right people so, but for our next episode we'll be discussing business and particularly highlighting independent female business owners in the ESA community so we won't give too much away because we do want it to be a little bit of a surprise but that is our next episode so we hope that you'll be able to join us Thank you for listening to this particular episode. We know that it was perhaps a slightly longer episode than normal. As always, we really appreciate your support and just a small message to say, take extra care of yourselves and your family during this difficult time. We'll see you on the next one. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>